Hey, I'm Marina. And I'm Emily. And I've seen everything in the Sex and the City empire 10,000 times. And I'm starting fresh. So I'll be woman-splaining the show. And I'm along for the ride. But there's a twist. We are starting with And Just Like That and working our way back to the beginning. So in other words, we're watching it backwards and in high heels. This is City and the Sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm glad you made it back. <laughs> and just like that. We're on episode that, two, and we are exhausted. <laughs> we are dying. Uh, for And Just Like That, season two, episode two. Uh, Emily, you catching on to the formula now? <laughs> Does the form- is the formula crystal clear? I'm starting to get the hang of this. I, I will say, I mean, I'm almost like knocked over on water. I'm already... I also want to say I might short circuit while we're talking about this. Like I, I realized this episode too, I think I'm realizing the formula. I think I'm getting the hang of this. I understand more of what we talked about last time, which was like, I understand why this show is so uniquely difficult to watch. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it is hard to get through. And afterwards I was like, I'm going to cleanse my palate. I'm going to watch something funny and have a good time. I'm going to switch over and watch some righteous gemstones. And I'm going to like that. That was how I was going to like decompress from this event. And by the time I got to the end of this episode, honestly, Marina, like, I'm not kidding. I was like, I actually can't watch TV. I think this has like ruined (laughs) the genre and medium of TV for me. Like it's a very anti-television television show. And I'm going to leave it at that and explain more when we get to Miranda's plot because there's a couple scenes there as an example (laughs) where I'm like, this is anti-television in a way that like is oppressive to me. Anyway, but that so that's my thoughts about this one. Is that is that a cheery way to start? I'm yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's so super positive, super cheery. For me, what I've been doing is I've been treating the second viewing for me as an like an in an anthropology <laughs> wow. I was just saying anthropology study arrest me. Um as a is that not what you were gonna say that because that also works <laughs> oh my god I, well I thought about the store again arrest me okay as a as a sociological exam wow it's just knocking <laughs> off just, this is what it does it makes it hard to find I swear it's like it is work to watch this show I feel it tired is work. It is where yeah. I'm tired. I am drained. It is, I've been trying to treat it as a, as a scientific study. So I've been like writing down the scenes and color coding the highlighting. And that's been helping me kind of, kind of separate, if you will, me from it. And also <laughs> goes to my further point, which is that this episode feels like n- nothing like the, re- the end of this, this season. Like this episode two doesn't feel like it fits into this oh, season at all with the trajectory that we're on. So I can't wait to learn what that means. Well, let's get into it. The real deal. <laughs> I I the visceral hatred coming out of the both of us. <laughs> I know. Episode title. Please see our rant about the Met Ball where it's like, again, the real real just didn't want to be fucking slammed. And honestly, they would have been as a brand. So no, I'm, I'm yeah, I completely respect absolutely that they 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 have good lawyers is all I'm saying. And their lawyers know what's up. Their lawyers saw Peloton and they're like, we're not getting involved in this. We're not 
being associated with this. So that was a that was a good move. But yeah, I yeah for for listeners, if there's a pause that long, it's because Marina and I are fuming. Um, <laughs> fuming, yeah, 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 yeah. We're not enjoying our presence. We're just fuming. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> we're not enjoying our presence. This episode, I want to start with Carrie, and then kind of that uh, absorbs into Charlotte's plot line, but. Carrie, uh, we start the episode, she's reading some advertising copy for her podcast and she gets to one about vaginal dryness and she just can't do it. Um, which first of all, promo code vag in the city is the best thing I've ever heard. What is her complaint? That's awesome. What is her complaint? And the big thing here is that even though Carrie is a sex columnist, she's secretly a prude. And it's kind of because Sarah Jessica Parker is a prude. And so every season she becomes more and more prudish and it makes less and less sense. And I get that vaginal dryness is weird, like, or like is a weird thing to talk about, but I don't, I feel like they're just trying to make gold out of straw here a little bit is what it feels like to me. It feels very forced. A hundred percent. I mean, again, it's like, this is she was given kind of a sitcommy thing of like here is a nothing problem that we're just going to give you so you can just like have this that I I mean it's it's interesting to hear you say that about her character because I was going to say that this feels very out of character for what I would have assumed like I I didn't know that she was approved in this way look the copy maybe is a little cheesy or whatever but then like have some fun with it you're a writer like aren't you supposed to be sort of witty and you have these one liners and you're you know, like put your personality in it, whatever. And I don't know, just just saying vagina is that much of a problem for you that you're really not in the right line of work. Yeah, with something about saying vagina and also just like ewy vaginal dryness. Which, sorry, but like, you know, um, my I I've seen a couple seasons of Grace and Frankie, which is the Jane Fonda, uh, Lily Tomlin Netflix show, which is a show about woman, women of a certain age having sex that works. Highly recommend. And like in that show, for example, uh, they develop a vibrator uh, that kind of stabilizes your hand if you're shaky when you get older, which is like really fucking cool. And again, it's just like, it's weird to me. Like, like one could so easily be like a vibrator for old people who shake. Ew. You know, like I, I can see why somebody would say that. And what I love about Grace and Frankie is that they embrace it and they're like, no, people, women want this. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. The fact that yeah. Carrie's like, ew, vaginal dryness. It's like, yeah, women, some women deal with that. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, just, like it's an actual feel, thing. This isn't a made up thing. I feel like it should have been a made up thing. Like yeah. Swamp Ass or something. Well, swamp Ass is very real, but you get my point. Like, I wish it was like some weird made up weird vaginal thing, like sweaty vag or something. Like, then I would have been like, okay, that's weird. But vaginal dryness is like, why, why, why kick people when they're down? That was my thought. I think you're absolutely right that this would have worked if it was something that was like really, it was made up and was like extra dumb and. It actually comes off as like not even just prudish, but like kind of mean, like the, just the yeah. way that she sort of is kind of mocking of it. I'm like, well, okay. It's not like it's like a condition she needs to be sensitive about or whatever. It's just like, 
I don't know what I'm sorry like get off your high horse you know what I mean it's like it, she's so like rude about it I, f- I felt like she was kind of rude the producer is also a little bit rude in the way that she comes in and is literally like read it bitch but like um <laughs> I just felt like it was a little like I'm sorry who do you think you are because I mean now that I know that she's not this big famous star you know I'm like yeah. you can read an ad read about vaginal dryness honey you're gonna be fine call the it brand's a day. gonna be fine I do have to say the podcast director is iconic. I do love when she comes and yells at her. Uh, So then Gabriel from MI7 goes over to Carrie's house. And after they have sex, he insists that they write this copy for vaginal dryness. And he says, I downloaded final draft for this, which, mm, okay, you don't need (laughs) final draft to, to write. Some ad copy. You could have just used Microsoft Word. Like, like, we're not like like Notepad app. We're we're not writing a play. Like, we're not writing a screenplay. Like, it's fine. So that made me laugh because it's just like it's 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 doing the opposite of the 2021 thing where it's like we're an insider. We know how scripts work, but like not at all though. Because and in fact, Carrie, when she does go work on the script, she does it. Um, uh, so, what are we, so that <laughs> made me for no laugh. Poor, poor Franklin the Turtle slash Gabriel from MI6. MI7. The fact that Gabriel from MI6 has to say wet ass pussy too in like another horrific joke. That's not funny. That's very uncomfortable. I was like, this man deserves an <laughs> for Emmy. For suffering. For being in these two episodes. He deserves a consolation a fucking Emmy. <laughs> Um, then Carrie, you know, he gets tired and he falls asleep and then Carrie writes the monologue. It's just like so anticlimactic. And then basically Carrie shows that Gabriel from MI7 show up at work the next day and the podcast director lady's like, well, you didn't read the copy and now the whole podcast yes, studio exactly. is shut Which down. Which is not how things go. Surprise, surprise. The entire health of your show and podcast company does not depend on your host reading ad copy for like a vaginal cream. On one ad copy, I feel like, so when I watched this the first time, my brain auto-corrected and said like, oh, she just said that to say like, you know, you should read ad copy, but like we're being shut down for other reasons. Instead, watching it on second viewing, I was like, no, no, no. My brain like filled in the gap. Yeah. (laughs) As a brain does. Because she, the when you look okay. at the yeah, tell text, me exactly okay, I'm talking what about the was text the text here this what was said capital t no i, I know but like text, this was but... not subtext this was not implied this was not something you and i have filled in what was the actual facts that happened <laughs> what were the actual facts? listening to the text the second time it li- she literally says something along the lines that are like you know you should just read the ad copy next time because we're shutting down. Like there's no, they're there. It, the way that the text is written, it makes it seem like they did shut down because of one ad read, which is <laughs> crazy. If anything, first of all, it's so funny because again, from the writer's podcast, they wanted to be done with this podcast yeah. plot. They were done with Gabriel. Really? They were done with the podcast plot. And it's so crazy to me where it's like, why'd you have to shut down the whole 
podcast <laughs> studio. It feels so excessive. Like, why not just say, oh, Carrie, like, if you don't read the ad, first of all, she agreed yeah. to read the vaginal dryness. Like, Gabriel yeah, yeah. said, I'll get her to read it. So there's no reason to right. believe that she wasn't going to read it. One. Also, like, 24 hours passed. So you're not going to get fired for not reading an ad copy right. in 24 hours. That is crazy. And then it's like, why not just shut down her show? Be like, if your main sponsor is Vaginal Dryness. So if you don't read these, like, you can't have a show. It's like, why does the whole thing... It's like, they, I feel like they couldn't come up with right. a reason for the podcast studio to shut down for real. It's so they just were like, it's, it's it says down. like the studio was bought by someone else. And so they've canceled this show, which is like, again, implies that there have been other things going on. Like the show was not getting good ratings or something, but then if they just followed it up with, you should have read the ad copy. That to me implies that that was the problem. Like that was what was not bringing in the money, which also is confusing because aren't they paid already? Like the money doesn't come to your bank account when you speak on air about vaginal cream. You know what I mean? It's like an agreement has already been made where they have paid for your ad and they are expecting you to read one. It's just yeah. so forced. This whole thing seems so forced for their end goal, which is to just delete yeah. Gabriel from the show and delete the podcast, which could have been yeah. so much easier than what the, this like tangled <laughs> yeah. web they wove yes. of this like weird 100%. cancellation. I also hate the and just like that of like, and my I freed up my entire week, which like, ugh, God. Franklin the turtle. I know, so exactly. just, God bless him. You don't. And like, I also the implication I should say of if, if in this insane world where her refusal to read the copy by a certain amount of time has somehow shut down the studio or canceled their show, that also means that she's responsible for these people all losing their jobs. And that's not how she acts the scene at the end. It's all sort of like, oh, well, I freed up my schedule. Ha ha. And like, as not acting as if everyone else just like lost their jobs. I'm like, even Gabriel, I get that they're both, they, I, I, you know, I do like that they both kind of amicably, amicably are like, well, we don't want to do this anymore. But like that man is unemployed. I get that she has loads of money, so she doesn't care that one of her revenue streams is (laughs) gone. Right. He's a podcast producer. He's making like, I'm sorry, under a hundred K in New York city. (laughs) Yeah. It's just so weird. Again, it's like Michael Patrick King. I think he has friends who are podcast producers who but are like rich. And so he's like, every yeah. podcast producer is just like, a, or he's like, producers are just rich. And it's like, <laughs> that's, that's not, not the case. How life works out here. We're fighting for our lives. We as in the, the population that is not so Mike, again, Michael Patrick King, not us, you and I, but we are all. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's yeah, doing yeah. fine. Um, um, but anyway, that's the carry plot. I hate it, but at least Gabriel. Yeah, we're done with that, and we're done with when we're done with this podcast too. I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to listen to people doing dumb voicemails and her giving stupid advice. Like I, I just don't need it. Again, a du- a direct response to season one where they were like, "Oh, you didn't like the podcast? It's gone." Like, okay, sure. fine, fine. I'll take it. Um, I want to go to Charlotte's plot line since it kind of dovetails with Carrie. So um, 
Charlotte's daughter, Lily, comes to her. So Charlotte has two kids, Lily and Rock. Uh, Lily comes to her. And Lily has always been the, like, straight-A student, the perfect child, and uh, is a, is a um, uh, what's the word? Not avid piano player. A, a very, like, you know, Prodigy? into playing piano. <laughs> Yeah, she's very talented at piano. She plays piano often in her schedule. <laughs> yes, she plays up. Yeah, that's a way of saying uh, that. <laughs> and um, I do love when she goes to the dad and it, and the dad's like, what do you want from the York Goldenblatt ATM? That, that made me laugh. I thought that was a good line. I think Charlotte's husband, um, he's always been great. Okay. In the sh- in the show, he's fantastic. Here, he's kind of like, right. burp, 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 he's just there but I love him, and I he's a gem. And uh, she asks for a new keyboard because she wants to sing the song that's inside. And her parents are like, "You're going to have to earn money or figure out a way to buy your own keyboard," which is great. And so she sells all of her closet, which is made up of designer clothes that Charlotte has bought mm-hmm. for her over the years. And she sells them to the shabby company that is the real deal instead of the real real. And they make a distinction that it's not the real real. The real deal is shadier. And I do love the drug dealer joke that she makes where she's like, it's like shadier and lower profile, just like a drug deal. And Anthony goes, how many drug deals have you seen? Great line. Once again, Anthony. Great line. Phenomenal. Again, Anthony. Dragging us over the finish line. Icon. Um, and so Charlotte becomes really obsessed with getting one of the dresses mm-hmm. back and basically decides to go to the store and bully a random shopkeeper because uh, she doesn't understand. Wait, but before she goes to the bully, the store, I forgot. We hear Lily's oh, we song do? first. Okay, okay. Which, first of all, I want to call out another great Anthony line that happens at the dinner table where he says, uh, I forget, oh, I think it's when he's talking about if the guys are good enough for his bread brand and he says something like from tongue to taint, (laughs) (laughs) which is my new, like, put that on my gravestone. It's our new new words. It Um, won't actually be, but for our rose and thorn is the tongue and the taint. No, I'm kidding. The tongue and the taint. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we get to hear Lily's song, The Power of Privilege. Oh, good. It has a name. I can find it on Spotify. Oh, well, no, I, I'm just calling it The Power of Privilege because that's what yes, the yes. refrain was. <laughs> the I love your delivery there of the word refrain. yeah i'm trying to elevate Uh, us to i want to also say this was good representation though of like spoiled kid on the upper east side like i'm not going to name some names but there are a lot of uh weirdly popular like indie artists who unfortunately they are very rich i unfortunately know some of them who were in the neighborhood that i grew up in um and it blows my mind because I, I this is going to drive me crazy. Tori, uh, all right, can you can you bleep out the names that I'm about to say? Okay, thank you. Um, there is a, this indie <laughs> artist who I'll see every now and then as like an opening act for like bigger names, or I'll just see random people on Twitter like mention. Oh yeah, that's who was in my grade and her dad's like uh, is another one. Her dad, um, see, like she was a couple years below me, like. They're all uh, rich kids who got like piano lessons and 
It had an article in New York Magazine, and it was like meeting, like ready to sing, and it was like a profile on this girl. Like, I if if anyone is into watch like an indie artist, and part of the identity that appeals to you is that oh, this is a person making music in their room. They they want to make it big, and I I want to support them. Do some digging because there's a good chance that um, their parents <laughs> are funding a lot of this. And like, I also feel like in school there were there were girls like this where it was like they would write songs exactly like this. I did text people and I was like, Tori, you're going to have to bleep this out because I'm going <laughs> to say a name again. I did text people and I was like, oh, my God. Like I, I was just there were so many specific people that I'm like, this represents that. So like kudos to whoever wrote The Power of Privilege, because I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard this song. I've heard the song from prep school girls who perform at the bitter end. Toro, you can leave that one and don't bleep them out. We're going after the bitter end. <laughs> going after them. Because, um, yeah. And if anyone wants to go check out that venue, you can probably see some prep school girls trying to get their career started there um, under a pseudonym. So that's my insider knowledge on what it, what's happening here. <laughs> I like wanted your take so bad because I, first of all, on first viewing, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. I think it's funny, but for some reason, the way that they're like pushing in on Charlotte makes it seem like it's really serious, which is like a weird dissonance for me because I'm like, this is hilarious. I wrote in my notes, <laughs> go off queen. That's what I wrote. Because I was just like, go this off. is so, it's like a rip off Taylor Swift. It I'm was, obsessed. I it was so It feels funny. very And it real. is so real. I, the, the pushing on Charlotte, leave that on the cutting room floor. That ruined the whole scene. Everything else would have been chef's kiss perfect. I love the way that, uh, for some reason, I can't, uh, Harry, I love the way that Harry goes, <laughs> like he says something when the song starts. It's so good. It's like, they have this horrific, like derp derp music that they yeah. play during comedic scenes. And I was like, where is the derp derp music? This is comedy, capital C, capital G, comedy gold. And they're pushing it on Charlotte being like, Oh, her girl's rejecting her as a mom. Yeah, I don't, I, know, like, I, I don't, don't actually care about I your crisis. I was like, like I or I feel like it's a good crisis, but it's like I feel like this show doesn't know sometimes when things are funny and when things are serious. And they were like, "This is serious." Like dealing with your daughter rejecting what you've given her is serious, which it is. I, you know, all moms go through that. I'm sure, um, but. You can't make then the content this funny. <laughs> I'm distracted. You can't make it this funny to make your point. It's so true. It's like it it was so it would have been perfect. It would have you know, it might still be. We'll see how we get to the when we get to the end of the episode we do the the, the Rose Thorn segment. Like it might be my highlight still, but like it would have easily been the highlight if if we had just left out that Charlotte moment. And sure, we can explore that later, but not right now. We're just this is so good. It's so funny. Also, like it is hilarious to have a daughter of one of these characters, like these three insane women. It is so yeah. funny to have one of their daughters do this. Like that's so perfect and real to be like 
nobody sees me. Nobody understands me. I hate privilege. I hate having to be perfect and privileged all the time. Like that is so <laughs> funny in the universe of sex in the city um, where Carrie just like shut down an entire department of people and was like, <laughs> my schedule's <laughs> open. haha, And like walked off into the sunset. Like that's perfect. Yeah. Again, it's like, I just feel like they don't know when the good times are good. So then Charlotte goes to the real deal to bully the person, not understanding that the dress is probably in fucking Seattle by now. (laughs) Like, you know, um, they have this long, very intense bullying scene. Carrie goes with her. Well, I don't know what Sarah Jessica Parker's direction was in this scene. <laughs> but I was like, yes. Hi. Oh my god! I, I actually did, did write that where she in my notes. I have the is is Carrie high is a bullet point in my notepad. <laughs> yes. Mine too. I was like, she seems so high, and it's like I think she's trying to be funny, but it's like Sarah Jessica's already funny. I feel like they were like this scene is the crown jewel of comedy in this episode. And they like misfired mm-hmm. on every mm-hmm. cylinder for me. Like, yeah, I she love sees the, the like pigeon purse and she sees these boots she likes. And she's like, it's just the way she delivers it. Like to Marina's point. And also just like every time we cut back to this, she's like hugging them and like stroking them and kind of like smiling to herself. I don't know if it was just maybe Sarah Jessica Parker was high. I don't know what was going on. But I, you know what? I think maybe your, was your explanation on. makes the most sense. It's like maybe they wanted Carrie to be funny. And this was, again, them not yes. understanding what is the funny thing and actively like not true. Because Carrie is like witty. She's not funny in like a kooky, you know what I mean? She's not like the Phoebe from Friends. She's not like silly and goofy. She's like, has she's funny because she has one-liners yeah. where crazy things will happen to her. She's not funny because she says weird things about like the pigeon purse. Yes, I agree. It was very weird. And like, again, I feel like they were just like, be funny. Charlotte's very funny. I I do like the way that she (laughs) attempts to bully this checkout woman and the checkout woman's having none of it. I do like that dynamic. A big problem I have with this show, though, that is exemplified in this plot is like they build all this tension and then they just release Mm -hmm. it. Mm Mm-hmm. In two seconds. Charlotte's just like, actually, I'm over it. That's a good point. Yep. (laughs) Episode's over. And you're like, whoa, like, you spent sleepless nights freaking out about this dress. You went in store in person. I'm expecting, like, them to bring the dress out, for them to do a tug of war on the dress, for the dress to rip. She has to spend double the amount of money because she has to pay for like Mm -hmm. emotional damage. Like just think about like the comedy beat we could have gotten to. And then she could have been like, man, I looked crazy in there. I'm I'm going crazy about this dress. I need to let my daughter go. Right. Like whatever. Instead, she just is like, I don't even know what, what sets up her being like, I think Carrie's like, Carrie's like, oh, you don't want to be a meme. And then Carrie's like, we all outgrow things. Maybe I'm outgrowing sex in the city, which like, what a slap in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Slap to the face again. what I'm saying. This show is hostile. It is like, it is in so many ways aggressively (laughs) against the audience in every way, which fascinates me that you said that the writers were like, we're going to do it right. I'm like, they are not. They are trying to destroy you psychologically. Also, that yeah. is definitely and a thing a human has said like, to another yeah. human, which is don't be a meme. That's what memes are. Again, 
He woke up yeah, in 20, 2003. He doesn't know what memes are. I'm <laughs> filing this away under Emily's chirogenic sleep theory. It's also so funny because the correct sentence would be, you yes, don't want to be a Karen. Exactly. That would be the correct sentence. Not, you don't want to be a meme. It's like, what? I don't know. But again, or maybe somebody videotapes her right. and she becomes a Karen. Like, I'm just saying, like, there's so many. There, there was Nothing. no peak. There was just buildup. And then she just, Carrie has a chat with her about, like, we all outgrow stuff. Maybe I outgrow sex in the city. And then she just kind of is like, yeah, you know, I was attached to this dress because it was the one she wore at her recital. But, like yeah, I'm not going to get it back and that's okay. And I was like, what? Okay. We have to get from point A to point B. I yeah, guess. Is who cares? It who cares? Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> so many like, things in the show are, uh, who cares? It's over. And you're like, why, why did you torture me like this for 25 minutes? Just to wrap it up by saying, you know what? Who cares? And just like that, I repurposed my pain and then the credits roll. Why would you do that to me? It's over. I love your thing, though. This show is, I totally agree with you. This show is actively <laughs> hostile, but then it won't, like, double down. It'll just be like, all right, whatever, we're done. Yeah. You're like, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? I'm sorry. You just shoved me in a locker. Yes, it's over? exactly. Like, so this show funny. is shoving everyone into lockers and being like, this is what you wanted, right? You wanted this. This, this is what you wanted. <laughs> yeah, you wanted this. <laughs> Open wide, airplane's coming. Okay. Before I get to Miranda and Shay, I love how every episode we like start with Carrie because it's the most benign plot. And then we get to, we're like, we'll hold Miranda for the end because that's always the roller coaster. Um, want to get through some of the, okay. the side characters first. So Seema goes to her hairdresser. Uh, he's mm-hmm. sassy he's- to her uh, because she dumped... The guy who's still mm-hmm. living with her, his ex. And he's like, you put up red flags. You're too fucking picky. And that's why you're going to die alone. Horrible thing to say. Which. Like, it's not just like, oh, my friend said a hard truth that like it was in a sassy way, but I love him anyway. I'm like, no, that's that's actually a horrible thing to say. It's not true. And also that's just like mean. I That guy sucks. Who is this guy? Did Was this a character from before that we know? Okay, well, there's there's no, no reason to see him again. This man is only in this, no reason to see him again. He is only in this episode. Uh, and one thing I do love about this, though, is, <laughs> like, as she storms out at the end, he, like, he just kind of, like, does, like, a huh in the mirror and then starts <laughs> drying his <laughs> own hair. That's an insane <laughs> choice. <laughs> it was incredible. It was incredible. I was like, this man is a character that is real in New York. She has a chat with Carrie where she's like, do I put up too many red flags? And Carrie's like, I don't know. Carrie once again giving her signature (laughs) (laughs) non-advice. Carrie giving, as usual, her fucking horrific advice. She goes back to the hairdresser first because she can't get a better hairdresser. Yeah. Which is dumb. We yeah. are in New York fucking And you city. have money coming out of your ass, please. Like, like you can find the, you can find like, the salon of, of whatever you Yeah. Like I don't buy for a second this one's yeah. going to dry bar. <laughs> like there are other people who can do good blowouts. Like it's not just this yeah, guy. Horrible. Uh, he explains the fact that he's hostile by just being like, I'm a hostile person, which again. All right. What? <laughs> 
favorite quote from this interaction is when he says uh, he's going through the advice he's given to the women. He's like, I told that one not to have kids. I told that one not to get bangs. And then he goes, I told that one, please get a lipo. (laughs) Which kills Uh, me. Once again, Um, Michael Patrick King has visited us from the year 2003 where that joke would have landed. (laughs) The hairdresser plot is so weird because it's like she like first of all the fact that she has to give him a bottle of tequila yeah. is like a huh? sorry which yeah all right she's so like weird. yeah take me back anyway. i brought you an expensive tequila and he has a client with him and he's like you go away i'm dealing with sema now and then the woman just gets banished to a different chair <laughs> again it's just like they have these ideas they have to execute them they come up with yeah. the most convoluted way to do that so basically she decides like, oh, the hairdresser just gives advice that I can take or leave. Okay. So she decides to go out with the random guy again. Random guy proposes they go in on a club together, which again, I need the comedy. I need him to propose something a little more crazy to be like, oh, this guy's just crazy than just like, do you want to go in on a club together? I'm like, I don't know. That's not the craziest thing I've heard. It's the heightened, right? What what is what is the heightened beat here? Like, what is the what we were talking about this with the vaginal cream, right? Where it was like, what is the other thing? What is the thing that he could say here as a suggestion? Do you know what I mean? Like, how how yes, do we get to where do. we're trying to go? Yeah, I just feel like, like, this man already lives with his ex-wife. Like, I don't, I feel like you need to continue to beat that. Like, do they sleep in the same bed? Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like instead it takes this detour and I get it. It's like, he doesn't have money. But like, I don't know. He, he, he didn't say, could you loan me a hundred K for this club? He said, we'll go in 50. Right. It's like, it's kind of weird that, which like, yeah, it's a business proposal. That's kind of out of context and sort of, I think they just could have stuck with exactly what you said with the, like the ex-wife where she's like, and so we're going to talk about that. Right. And we're, and he's like, yeah, we only share our bed sometimes or something like that. And then she would, could have been like, okay, never mind, I'm out. And then stomped out. Yeah. No, this is over. Yeah. It's so weird. Again, he feels like a a Gabriel 2.0 to me where they wrote this guy into season one and then they were like, actually, Actually, we don't don't like him. So we need to find the most convoluted way to just get him out of the picture. But it's like, we don't have enough screen time for that. So this is what the screen time allows for, which is just, he wants to go in on a club together. And even his proposal for the club isn't that weird. I don't know. They're so rich that money means nothing to me when he's like, can I have a hundred K? Yeah, whatever. They spend that much per episode. Also, like it would have been kind of cute to have the setup be like, do I see red flags too often? Am I too picky? And then have her instincts be right. You know what I mean? Like have it actually come off. like, No, this is a weird situation. And she was actually right. Um, you know what I mean? That actually could have been a cute resolution. Oh, they really can't stick the landing, can they? In any of these. That's, no, that's definitely what they were going for, but f- it just gets like fucked in there right. and is yeah. unsalvageable. Um, then we have, is Naya even in this episode? Oh yeah. She calls the husband. The husband's like, nothing happened yet, yikes. which yikes. So woof. it's like basically Capital the husband yikes. just to, for listener, it's like, the they're estranged from what I can tell it's like because they've they disagree about kids um and so they're like separated but they're not divorced right and they're just sort of like 
kind of, yeah, yeah. So uh, yes. but she's trying to reconcile. And so she had called him last time and we saw that there was another woman in the room. And when she like asked about it, he insisted nothing happened yet. As in, I have like feelings for this person and I'm attracted to this person and like kind of starting to have this emotional affair with this person. And it's clear to me from the context of their conversation and what Naya says that that was not part of the agreement when they separated was that they were going to see other people. Right. Because like she, she reacts that way. And then also says that someone was hitting on her at a bar and she turned them down because that was their agreement. Um, So he's basically admitting like, I'm thinking of having this affair um, and I'm tempted by this woman, which like, Oh my God. Um, Well, but then says, Oh, we should have a surrogate. Which is also crazy. It's like, again, again, it's like, I don't need a surrogate plot introduced. I mean, it doesn't go anywhere, but I don't need the surrogate for me to be convinced this guy is awful when he already is, to your point, basically yeah. asking permission we, we, to cheat. We're done. Like, I'm, 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 yeah, over I already it. know he's, he's a villain, but I think um, he, but saying that I think pushes the final button for her. In a way that obviously you and I, we didn't need, but maybe Naya needed that in terms of like, because that was the crux of their disagreement was like, oh, this guy doesn't understand at all. And so this, this like is not going to work. Um, uh, I do love the anger scene she does though, where she goes to the apartment and she deandrifies mm-hmm. it as she says, throws everything out. I love the quote, bonfire yes, of very the funny. It's Very good. Her collage, the mixed media collage. Again, the yes, again the the paper lantern that they bought in like 1992 or whatever. Again, Karen Pittman Mm -hmm. serving every scene, given nothing but serving every scene and and just like having like just fractions of screen time. It is so irritating to me, and I wish she had justice justice for Karen Pittman. Um, anyway, that's <laughs> Naya's whole plot line. <laughs> and we're done. All right. Then we go to LTW, which is like less of an LTW and more about her husband and his mother's coming to visit. And his mother is like very, has her opinions and is a classic mother-in-law where everything sure. has to be perfect right. We've seen these in before. her way. Hundreds of times. I do think she has the sickening line when she sees LTW in that first scene and she goes, I I love that she goes, and you just came back from a matinee of The Lion King. And I love LTW's return line, which is, uh, uh, yes, and the show was very good today. Genuinely made me cackle. That was the one time in these (laughs) two episodes that we watched that I genuinely cackled, genuinely made me laugh. Um. The writer's podcast makes such a big deal because, you know, they they braid the daughter's hair so that she'll be more presentable to the grandma. And uh, the writer's podcast was like, it's so important that we show the father also braid the hair. And I was like, literally, no one yeah. is practicing <laughs> this. And maybe I, that's just yeah, me. I don't know. Maybe that's just me coming from my white perspective. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but the writer's podcast made it seem like this was the heart of the whole episode, which is kind I of insane. I think anyone that w- would potentially be affected by this has already checked out of the show. 
I do not think they are still here. I think I think we had a discussion about this where we we're talking about like representation in TV just as a whole. Um, you know the things that Marina and I talk about like at brunch. Um, and uh, we were talking about how like I I say that I actually prefer a lack of representation over like very poor or insulting representation. So if it's something like this where it's like okay if if the writers are let, let's we're just gonna say uh, total. Not saying about and just like that. I'm just in general of a show. If the writers are all white, let's say if they're all white dudes, it's like I don't actually need them to be the ones who are writing a character that is like, let's say, a black woman, right? I don't need to them to like do an episode like this, which is like kind of about race. I actually don't need their take on it. So when we started this plot, and I can see that that's where they were going, um, and we're just going to talk about this in a second. It's when we see that they're trying to hail a cab and none of the cabs are stopping for LTW's husband, um, played by again, George Washington. Um, like, and it's like, okay, we're going <laughs> to, we're setting it up for that. And, um, I got nervous because I was like, I actually, uh, you know, once upon a time, maybe I would have been like, Oh, that's so great that we're finally seeing episodes and plot lines in this very white show about like non-white experiences. Now, Based on what I've seen, when that happened, I was like, I'm actually really nervous about how this is going to get handled. Yes. For me, I just don't like the feeling yeah. that it's tacked on. It like it also resolves anticlimactically. Like the grandma just comes and they have a chat where she's like, "You can't do that. You can't pound on the on the front of the car." Uh, and then LTW makes a joke about how like you know you can't get arrested because your mother will blame me for it. And then it's it's over. It's just like too big of a behemoth mm-hmm. for this show. This show can barely talk about women, which right. is what it's right. supposed exactly. to talk about. <laughs> right. You know, like what this show is known for is talking yeah. about women yeah. having I, sex. I would agree. I would agree. And it's not to say if anyone watched it and, and disagreed and thought, oh yeah, they handled that well, I'm glad. It's like, I could also see that it's valid. I, I personally was like, this is kind of weird and a little like not to Marina's point, didn't feel like fully fleshed out. Um, but which is a shame because like it clearly the cast has gotten more diverse versus like sex in the city from what I imagine. So it's like there's potential there. I just like I don't really trust these writers with it and they they clearly aren't really comfortable going there. So we they don't need to go there. Actually, we actually we can leave we can leave that off the table. Are we ready? We run the gambit because then we end. Okay, on I've been waiting all episode to talk favorite. about this. Our favorite couple of all time. Uh, so essentially, first of all, it opens on Conalingus, which love. No matter who, who um, what context, whatever, Marina and I are always going to give that an A+. Plus. That, that's just. Always going to give that an A+. Plus. Uh, che has to go rewrite some scenes. So Miranda's alone, I guess. She goes to AA for the first time that we see i think it is her first time uh i love the outfit she wears to aa i know that's really random but i was i made a note of that she meets this woman who yes. whose opening please, line to her because the woman's this, fully tatted yeah the woman has like two tattoo sleeves basically yeah yeah she's got she's full of tattoos she comes up to miranda she goes oh like virgin arms like i haven't seen those in a while and i was like I can't tell if Do this people is say real that? or sarcasm. I, can, someone, can it, someone of the tattooed community please tell me if this is a, a, a word people use, virgin arms? Do they say that to strangers? Again, <laughs> again, I think they think this woman is It is, is weird to go up to a person, again, who you just 
watched in this very vulnerable way in vulnerable space and say, nice virgin arms. Um, but it seems to work. Yeah, Miranda just, seems to respond well to it. So, Yeah, well, Miranda's having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of like how I have my one explain away thing, which is Michael Patrick King uh, thinks this is a thing. My other explain away is yeah. like Miranda's I'm, having I'm a hard a time. Pattern. Like, that's just like Miranda's having a hard time. The woman also calls herself an activist, Wait, which okay, well, Hall of Fame. Yeah, she says my husband calls me an activist, and I was like, oh god. Um, again, I feel like they were trying to make fun of LA with this woman, and for some reason, it just comes out so <laughs> kinda, weird. You <laughs> so can make weird. fun of LA. You absolutely can. We will be there for you, especially for a show that's so New Yorky. It's like LA should be the punching bag, and you should all be so on top of this. You're all media people, like. You should have all of the great LA jokes and bits ready to go. But the best you can do is everyone's lazy. I took an Uber to my bathroom and I'm an activist, <laughs> nice virgin arms. It's like, there's so much material. And like, this is what you gave us is like nonsense. And like, nonsense. especially because Miranda is like quintessential New York. It's just like, what a missed a opportunity. The egg was really the high note. And it's only gone down and that from was the a egg. pretty for a high note. That was also pretty low. <laughs> it's like not high. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, Che does stand up, and Tony Danza's there because Tony Danza's going to play their dad in their sitcom. And this introduces a side plot that I'll just go over quickly, which is that Tony Danza has come too far to be canceled, and says he will not play Che's Mexican father. And I actually I think it's funny. wasn't bothered by this. I, th- I thought it was funny. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. Um, <laughs> hold me closer, Tony Danza. I don't know. I thought Che's reaction was weird. I, I get that it's like hard when it's your life story, but it's also like that other writer's story. Because yeah. in episode one, when that other writer comes in, it's like, whose story is this? I don't know. Um, but anyway, Tony Danza is lovable and charming and he's also, great also I, I did think it was weird that Che at their stand up is like hey everyone here's Tony Danza he's gonna play my dad in the pilot it's like when I, I'm not an expert on this and I do not want to imply I have any insider knowledge on how this kind of process works let me know if I'm talking out of my ass and I'm totally wrong but I if you're filming a pilot that's an early stage to be like pulling up a guy on stage and being like he's gonna be my dad like cast change around pilots that get totally written shows get totally redone (laughs) they don't get picked up at all you know what i mean like i think this is a little early to be doing promo i feel like again michael patrick king was a stand-up who worked on shows okay sorry and i feel like king was a stand-up comedian michael patrick king was a stand-up in the in the early early days And then he became a writer and then he worked his way up to producer. And obviously this sex in the city is his, like was his big credit and he's done other things since then. He did the comeback, uh, Emily in Paris. Um, but I'm, I'm having an existential crisis. Hang on. Can I interrupt? Why? I know it's jarring because you're like, he should be able to write better stand up, but alas, here we are. Uh, Sorry. Continue. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. How did we, what? You're shook. That's, Background. Oh yeah, my I know God. you're shook. Yeah. 
Yeah. Doesn't that I'm, change everything? I'm mad all over again. It's like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What were we talking about? I'm so mad all over again. There's no reason for Shay to was... be this horrible. There's no reason. There's no excuse. It is like not only do you have a stand-up background, so it's like you can't even play, claim ignorance, but it's like they clearly wanted Che to be likable. Yes, you told me about the what that's what they said is like Che should be like, I don't understand why everyone hates Che. There's no reason for Che to be this awful at everything they do. I why? I can't I can't decide if they don't want if they are intentionally making Che bad at stand-up or if this is just like a really bad level of inception where they think it's good, but it's bad, but it's yes. good. Like, you know what I mean? Like I really can't tell because, or if they're just like lazy about it, if they're just like, ah, and then we'll put the stand-up in later. Like, I, I don't know, but what I will say is just like all around, it's clear that Michael Patrick King has not been a peasant in a while because exactly like nobody talks about pilots. First of all, it's like NDA. Second of all, you don't even know if it's going to go to TV. And third of all, it, it's like so much in the air. It's one thing to be like my friend, Tony Danza or like Tony Danza and I are yeah. working on a project together. But the way that Che goes around town being like my pilot, I'm rich. I have money. It's just like, wh- where, where is this? And it's like, Michael Patrick King is like, oh, that's how pilots work. And it's like, he forgot. It's like how they say that when you go through a painful experience, you like forget how painful mm. it was because your brain like tries to move past it. And then your brain, and that's why people will be like, oh, it's not so bad. And then you do it and you're like, it was terrible. Like wisdom teeth, it's right? Like giving birth. My, I remember my wisdom teeth being experience being, yeah, but, or giving birth. Like people are like, oh, it's fine. It's like, no, it was really bad for you in the moment. You just, your brain has yeah. done some math. <laughs> to undo that and I feel like that's Michael Patrick King he's like oh pilots just happen and then people are rich and it's like um no that's not really in 2023 no maybe in 1999 for sure right 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 yeah that I think that is the most logical take thank you for calming me down I was off the ledge and I think you brought me back down. I think that's the most logical explanation for why this man is specifically writing experiences that he should have insider knowledge about and yet doesn't seem to and like seems to get them wrong all the time is like he has no. forgotten. He has. He's been yeah. away for too long. He hasn't been in it. He's been away yes. from the peasants. Um, but anyway, and that kind of wraps up Che's plot line for now. Then. Back to Miranda, the activist invites her to do a beach cleanup. She goes to the beach cleanup. I also love the can negative I, guy at the beach. Well, can cleanup. I talk about that, that scene? The, the explain the negative guy and that scene because I this is I think where the pieces had started to come together for me about like this show is the anti television. Like right is like okay so go off she what's happening in the scene is that she has gone with the activist who has invited her like the activist is like we're gonna go clean a beach and save the planet would you like to join and Miranda's like oh my god that sounds great so she ends up at this like beach she doesn't really seem to know where she is and they're all picking up trash Naya calls her during this scene and this is when Naya's doing the the scene that we were just talking about where she's throwing out all the stuff mm-hmm. and she's 
kind of seems like drunk almost. She's sort of like having a moment or just having an inspiration. Like, she's just emotional, okay? And she's calling Miranda on the phone and she's telling her, this is what my husband said to me. This is what he's done to me. I'm going through a moment. She's going through it, right? If your friend calls you in this state, you stop what you're doing and you like talk to your friend, yes? So, th- no. <laughs> no. <laughs> So what what yeah. happens is Miranda just sort of sits there kind of on the phone at first being like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And then she notices this man who's also there, part of the crew cleaning the, the trash, is staring at her and looks kind of like disgusted almost. Like he's sort of like giving her a judgy look and they're kind of staring at each other. And it's like kind of like a comedy beat. And you think what's going to be coming is that either – the man is going to say something that's going to be funny. Or maybe he's just a creep. You would expect something like this because you're a human being and you've seen television and that's what we're set up to believe is going to happen. But instead, Miranda decides to say, yeah, that's that's I, that's so much, Naya. I'm sorry. I can't talk right now because environmentalists and cell phones don't really mix. So I'm going to have to go. Sorry. Goodbye. <laughs> and then she hangs up the phone. Pause for a second. What does that mean? I've never heard that in my life. Environmentalists (laughs) and cell phones don't mix. So like that was the conclusion. And then hangs up on her friend having an emotional crisis (laughs) and then says to the guy something like, hi, how are you doing? Like to try and I guess like be friendly. And the guy immediately says, I'm doing horrible. Nothing that we're doing is making a difference. Cleaning up the trash on this beach. It's like taking care of a corpse. We're all going to burn in a fiery death anyway. And she says something like, oh, that's pleasant and like looks disgusted and walks away (laughs) again as a human being who has like had interactions with other human beings i don't know why this is what he says to her i don't know why he was staring at her waiting for her to get off the phone so he could say we're all gonna die in a fiery death but it plays it as if that's like just a normal interaction that happened. And also then Miranda doesn't immediately call back her friend and be like, never mind, this guy's a psycho, let's talk. Like she just was like, oh, okay, he seems annoying, and then hangs up the phone. And I think we've seen throughout this episode things that should be funny are not treated as funny. Things that um are really not funny are treated as like a joke. Um the characters that are supposed to be funny or not, like the setup doesn't happen. We build a build a build up. We drop the plot. We have the most interesting actress and interesting side plot character who gets two minutes of screen time. Everything is the opposite of like what you would expect a television show to be <laughs> constructed as. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It, it feels so. Here's my theory. It just can't be an accident. It has to be on purpose. There has to be meaning. I think this is a surrealist project by Michael Patrick King and he is out to be like this is the opposite of television we are going to do the most basic plots and sitcom plots and then we're going to resolve them in the most insane ways we're going to have people talk in non sequiturs we're going to have plots that go nowhere because like this is the anti-tv tv show like it has to be on purpose I think this was where I had my like come to Jesus moment and like levitated off the couch because I was like I I, oh I was God. like, I can't handle this show thinking that this was like supposed to be good. I think I've come on to the side of it where I'm like, they know what they're doing. This was the scene that broke me. It wasn't like it was particularly earth shattering. But I think after watching <laughs> this full episode, I think this was the moment where I was like, not a single thing that happened in this scene was like a logical <laughs> next step for the conversation that was happening. Yes. I, first of all, 
round of applause because what a beautiful microcosm for what this whole thing is. Because that is basically what you just sat here and explained is basically, yeah, that's the secret to and just like that. And just like that, everything's fucking random and nothing makes any sense anymore. Uh, And also just it's because they're so focused on how do we get from A to B. uh, It's just like, okay, well, now we're doing this. And it's so funny because I'm so used to it at this point. (laughs) Like nothing affects me anymore uh, that... I didn't even process it. I did process uh, cell phones and environmentalists because I was like, what? When your best friend calls you and is like, my husband is not only emotionally cheating on me, getting ready to (laughs) fuck another woman. He also proposed that I get a surrogate for a baby. You're like, whoa, I have to absolutely stop. But again, of course, because they're obsessed with right. like we got to move we got to keep going forward with this plot it's like oh no yeah we're miranda just shelf that. is not going to respond to that miranda's too busy as, to deal as, with as that a, as a human who had empathy would she has to respond as a character who needs to get us to point b which is this funny line about the world blowing up we need to get there so like let's hang up on the friend and let's get let's get to the funny guy i mean i think it's also part of the problem that naya's not friends with any of them except for miranda so no one else feasibly could go talk to her That's something that they talk about in the writer's podcast is like season one is like, okay, we have to introduce all these new characters and like explain why they're friends with like why Che is friends with Carrie, why uh, Seema is friends with Carrie. And then their mission for season two was to try and get them to hang out with each other. And it's just like, it's too much. It's too much. And like, that was my, that's why Naya's got to get off that phone quick because we got to get to Miranda losing her phone so she can have a crisis about not mm-hmm. having Che's number, which like, I don't have, I don't have my no, partner's I don't either. memorized. If my phone is taken, I cannot call my partner's number. Yeah. I do not know it. I only know my home landline, which okay, yeah, is me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And my parents' cell yes, phones. That's all I remember. That's I actually, it. I remember my sister's cell phone. My high school that's friends' it. landline phones. Even the people I don't talk to anymore. I I can still tell you what their their home landline is because that's when you learn what a phone number is. So I actually don't think this is a real crisis for her to be having about like I don't even know your phone number. You actually don't really need to, honestly. It also like comes out of nowhere, like I'm missing the three, the beat of three here. Like the first scene we see them, Che's just like, I got to go right. And like, it's not that Miranda stumbles across something she didn't know about Che before. Then there's this phone number thing, which is very relatable. Like, I do not know anyone's number. We get to this point. Um, Like, uh, she, after the cleanup, Miranda realizes that she's lost her phone, which is a problem because she was going to use it to call an Uber to get home because she doesn't know where she is. So Miranda loses her phone, goes up to a couple of like nice stoner surfer boys who give her their phone. And the only number she remembers is Carrie's, who then gives her Che's. And so that's how we get to this like yes. complicated sitcom beat. Which, first of all, let me also backtrack. The fact that they're blasting Hotel California you know, in the background the whole time, do. which I hate, as Californians do. And then I feel like, again, these surfers, there's something about the surfers that's like trying to make me feel like, oh, this is a mm-hmm. comedy they beat. Like, yeah. But it's like not quite jiving in where I'm like, this is funny. It's just like, 
it feels really random. It almost feels like surfers interrupted the shoot. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, let's just keep yeah. them in here. Yeah. That's what it feels like, which is definitely not there how is, that went yeah, down. Yeah, I think you're right. It was supposed to be funny. Because there is, a, there is a kind of cute moment where one of them keeps offering her a blunt, and then at one point she says something like, "Can you please stop offering me that?" And it was like sort of funny and sweet. Like, so I think it was supposed to be a comedy beat, but maybe there were more beats that were left on the. That is actually a too generous read. No, never mind. There were never there were never better beats that were left on the cutting room floor. This is exactly <laughs> how it was written. It's just so awkward, and then she is able with to who? hitch a ride with well, Che's friend. With who? Well, first we introduce his Chase friend, and as we learn, he's Lyle, Chase's current yes. husband. Because although they are separated, they are too lazy to get divorced. What which a thing to say. I love that. <laughs> and what a thing again, to say. Going, if you um, know what, if I were a human being writing a show, this would be where the episode happens is Miranda gets stranded coming out of AA or whatever and then gets in a car with Che's husband. And then the entire ride is lots of tension and awkward moments and double entendres and awkwardly saying things because the husband doesn't know who Miranda is. Miranda has just learned that Che is married. And then the ride is the episode. Like, this is where the tension is. And this scene is maybe 30 seconds long. You're so right that I never even thought about that, but you're right. That would have been such a good episode because then it's like Miranda or plotline in the episode because it's like Miranda being like, do I tell him? Do mm-hmm. I not tell him? Like, you know, and then like he could say random things facts about Che that are weird. And then Miranda could be like, there's all this stuff I don't know about you. Then that, that works. Cause it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm just making stuff up now. Che's favorite food yeah. is shrimp. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, I didn't know this and this and this. And then Che can be like, all that stuff is dumb. Yeah. Um, instead it's just like, I didn't know you had a husband and it's like, okay, well to be fair, like that is a big thing. And clearly, Che doesn't give a shit about it anymore. So, like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, like, it makes it so much more confusing. I totally with, agree with you. That would have been so, yeah. so, and so, so much better. Yeah. And we could have just cut all exactly. the beach crap. Cut everything in the beach. At some point, Naya calls her, and it's an emergency. So she asks the husband to pull over, and then she's on the side of the road, like, talking to Naya, and they have an actual conversation. And then, you know, she says, I got to go. I'm with Chase's husband. And Naya goes, what? And Miranda goes, I'll explain later, and hangs yeah. up and gets back in the car. Literally. And that's a fast way to get Naya off the phone. We did it. We, we wrote the episode. Wow, we did it. We wrote the episode as we do every time. Uh, Then Che and Miranda reunite and Che tells a story about Tony Danza, does a horrific Italian accent. That's a crime against (laughs) my people. Um, Miranda says, I don't know anything about you. I don't even know how this resolves. Don't they just kind of go like whatever? I'm going to give the show... I don't know why I'm giving it any benefit of the doubt. I'm going to expect that this plot will continue because Miranda doesn't look satisfied, but she lets it go. Like, Che is like, I've had such a hard day, and then immediately starts, like, nuzzling her neck. Like, Oh, yeah. There seems to be a pattern here of, like, Miranda being upset, and Che tries to, like, get through it with, like, sex or, like, physical intimacy of some kind. So, like, that is kind of where this episode ended is Miranda's like, I don't even know you had a husband. And then they say, oh, I, I'm just, like, too lazy to get a divorce. 
and then nuzzle Miranda and they're like, I've had a hard day. Miranda doesn't look happy. So I, I think we'll see more of this. Hopefully. Um, you are making me upset <laughs> because your face is telling me that maybe we won't. I Why won't we? Mar- Marina, this is what I'm saying. The show ends on a shot of Miranda looking <laughs> sad into the distance. It implies to me, a viewer, that we will see more of this because we see that Miranda's not satisfied with this conclusion. Dot, dot, dot. This is an ellipses. This is a cliffhanger. You're telling me that they're not going to address this major problem ever again. Are we going to even talk about the husband again? Actually, I guess you can tell me. I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm not going to say that they don't address this problem and I'm not going to say that they don't address the husband. I am just going to say, I think the, my face crack is just, it's just not done well. Obviously their relationship continues and we discuss their relationship further (laughs) to our (laughs) horror, but, uh, I I agree with you. They set up something interesting here, which is Miranda's trying to get on a deeper level and Che kind of won't let them. And that is kind of the crux of their relationship. And they kind of, I'm curious on the rewatch if I'll feel different, but on the first time through, uh, that exploration of that feels very rushed. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Like everything else. Chop, chop, chop. We got got, got places to pick Pick Um, up the pace. That's all right. All right. So, well, I think it's time for our famous segments. Uh, this time we'll end on the positive, so we'll start negative. What is your get them of this episode? What's your thing that you're like, get it, get them, absolutely arrest that right. person? I mean, or obviously, thing or I, I told you my breaking point um, was Miranda hanging up on Naya. Um, I mean, I it's hard, though, to also, like, single that out because, honestly, a lot of people were awful to each other in this. Um, I'm actually going to give a get them to a, a, <laughs> an underrated moment here, which is uh, the fact that everyone has lost their jobs because Carrie did not read an ad about vaginal cream, mm. um, as discussed, the insanity of it. And then also, like, heart goes out to those people. Um, best of luck on the job market. <laughs> and you know they didn't get severance either, so rough. I'm going to say my get them is Gabriel from MI7 saying wet ass pussy oh, with full, full That's body fair. projection and form. I think I was like kind of disgusted. I was disgusted at the thought that he thought that he could write this vaginal dryness ad. It just, the whole thing was just like, mm-hmm. gave me the ick. And, and I'm mad at just the overcomplication mm-hmm of how much engineering it took for Carrie to dump this guy. It's like, you know, um, my dad is an engineer and he often like, he's wonderful. No complaints against Marino. We stand. Like I remember when he got his car and iPhones were becoming a thing, he didn't have a place to put his iPhone in the car. And so he like went to the hardware store and bought P PCV uh, P, PVC pipe, which is like what they use for like toilets, and he built like an iPhone holder out of PVC pipe. And my mom was like, "Why didn't you just buy an iPhone holder? They sell them on Amazon that are like built mm. for cars." 
And my dad was like, oh, well, I wanted to do this. And that's what this show feels like to me. It's like there's always an easier, more interesting answer. Mm -hmm. And they always choose the convoluted, complicated one. So that to me is modeled by Gabriel from MI7 saying, wet ass pussy. So Emily, this episode then, what is your release the Kraken? What is your positive, I want more Um, of this this, from this episode? The scene where uh, the three of them are, it's like Charlotte, Anthony, and someone else are all having brunch. I think LTW. They're all having brunch together. Um, I think it's the only time we ever see anyone in this episode doing the brunch thing, the Sex and the City thing, yes, and and characters interacting with each other um, in person. And it's good. Like, it, it's fine. Um, and it's the fact that with the non sequiturs in this, in this ep- like, there are a couple lines that they'll say randomly that don't get responded to. It actually works in this context because it makes Charlotte just look thoughtless. Like, the fact that someone will randomly try to change the subject. There were a couple moments where Anthony will randomly say something or LTW will, like, take out her phone and be like, look at this. Like, they have moments where they say something and then Charlotte just immediately goes back to her problems and it actually works, you know, because mm-hmm. it just makes Charlotte look like she's so wrapped up in her thing. She's not even paying attention. And then also Anthony is great, has his one-liners. I think – I can't remember exactly what it was, but he had some actually funny lines in this brunch scene. And it was like, this was fine. Release the Kraken. Get me that. Get me these three at brunch and I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. I can watch that. So that, that was my moment. I, I agree. I would watch that spinoff. Um, unfortunately – we know the show is not getting any spinoffs. Uh, I would say my release the Kraken is uh, Power of Privilege. If it's treated as comedy. Oh, yes. Oh, Power of Privilege as a pure comedy beat was great. And I still have one episode of season two left to go. Um, but they kind of drop this plot. And maybe they bring it back in the last episode of season two. Spoiler alert. So sorry. And I, I want more. <laughs> I this wanted more. Lily with the Lily song. and like the songwriting stuff. I wanted more and they kind of sideline it. Spoiler alert. Like most of the things we've seen today. <laughs> and um, I want, I want that spinoff. I want the spinoff that is private school girls in East Upper East Side, Manhattan, um, publishing songs. Oh wait, that's just life. Um, (laughs) Oh wait, that spinoff is called reality. Oh wait. Um, but I I just thought that was to die for again. Anthony has great lines. Harry has great lines. Big, big fan. Well, that was, and just like that season two, episode two, We'll see you next week for episode three. Ah. We're only 20% of the way there. <laughs> hey, on season hey. two. Then we got to do season one. <laughs> Pray for us. Send donations to Venmo. All right. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye. Bye.